right. Uh, hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. This is Will, and I've got Christian Cosentino on the phone. Uh, this is really exciting um, because Christian's restaurant, uh, Dirty Water in San Francisco, uh, restaurant and bar, it hasn't even opened yet. So this is the first time we've talked to somebody that's sort of in the process of opening. So this is going to be a lot of fun. And uh, having said that, that it hasn't opened, it's it's certainly gotten uh, a lot of acclaim, uh, and people expect great things, which uh, I know Chris and his team will uh, live up to all those expectations. They're actually opening in the in the Twitter building. So, hey, Christian, man, uh, you're I mean, here you are getting ready to open here. I'll let you tell everybody when, but uh, we're not far away, and I know you're real busy, so thank you so much for, for doing this. Right on. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. So, uh, so you guys, so Dirty Water, so you want to talk about when you guys are opening? Yeah, well, well, 30 days from today uh, is is the goal. I'm barring somebody from the city saying you can't do it, which I don't anticipate, um, because we've we've uh, d- we've dotted our eyes and crossed our t's uh, as best that we could. Um, yeah, we'll be opening in 30 days. So, and this is the first time I mentioned it, so that's a uh, it's uh, exciting for me to say it publicly <laughs> after two years of working on this thing. <laughs> yeah, I noticed. I mean, you guys start. I saw some. Uh, some press stuff or whatever back from from 2013, so it's been a big project in there. So, and you've yeah. changed locations, I think, in the interim. So, well, I'll tell you what, let's do this. Tell me just, um, tell everybody a little bit about your background and, um, you know, a short summary of kind of how you got into the restaurant business and what you were doing just prior to deciding to, uh, you know, get Dirty Water started. Well, it, the, the whole concept, uh, I didn't know it was going to be called Dirty Water back then, and uh, th- that's a story in itself, but the whole concept started, um, I opened three restaurants in San Antonio. I was uh, a master franchise holder for for a small Italian food pizza chain there, and I decided to do three of those um, in San Antonio and right outside of Austin, in a town called Bernie, and uh, one day after 110-hour days, uh, 110 hour weeks you just wake up and realize you're really not doing at least this is what happened to me i really wasn't doing um what i was dreaming about and uh i was i was fulfilling someone else's dream but not mine and so very quickly within a week i decided uh that i was going to start over the whole entire path and uh start driving so uh and this is true i i loaded up a u-haul i had my employees help me and uh i said goodbye and uh and I started driving, not knowing really where I was going to go. Now, prior to that, I had, I had, uh, I was doing some interesting stuff with beer in San Antonio. And this, there, right now, San Antonio and that whole area is experiencing a revolution in the beer world. But you know, 14 years ago, 15 years ago, it was not happening. But it was basically uh, 20 of us, 30 of us in the San Antonio area that really were geeking out on beer. And uh, <clears throat> that was the most fun I had. So I had these uh, these uh, dinners where I'd get uh, as obscure beers and as interesting beers as I could, and and everyone would come in, and we'd sell out every day, every time we did it. And it started getting into the San Antonio Express newspaper, and we were doing uh, monthly monthly mentions of what we were doing. And then um, at that point is really that was a moment when I realized that I needed to start doing something on my own. So um, I knew I was going to drive west. I sold uh, the percentage of um, well, basically, gave away the percentage of uh, of the business that I had there. And as I was driving through Arizona, and uh, when I got to the West Coast, um, I I just uh, continued to drive, and I didn't really know where I was going to end up. And 
excuse me, my phone was uh, was beeping. Anyway, so I, I stopped in Berkeley, uh, which was really odd, but I thought uh, it, it, it uh, for some reason, its energy kind of kept me cap- captivated, and that's where it started. So from that point, um, wine became the game for me, and that's uh, I started going up to Napa and Sonoma uh, every other day and learning everything I could. And then I've uh, through through a few jobs that I've had through then through that period of time, um, it helped me accelerate that. So it became a a wine centric life for the last ten years. And uh, and then of course um, Julio Bermejo and a couple of other people around um, this part of San Francisco, um, they got me into uh, the spirits world. So as this whole thing progressed uh, in the restaurants that I worked in, I started. Um, kind of mentoring a few people and, and helping a few people. And that, that grew and grew and grew. So when two years ago, and uh, a little over two years ago now, I decided to do Dirty Water. I just called everyone that I had worked with prior, sommeliers, Cicerones, everyone else. And I said, hey, do you want to be part of this project? And everyone said yes. And um, I think this is the first time I've ever opened a restaurant where I didn't have to hire a soul. I mean, I, I put an ad out for a hostess. And that was in one day. But as far as 90% of the employees, and we have a, a boatload of employees, they just came. And it was really, really, really nice to see. Um, and uh, it's in, it's in, it makes you feel very good. It makes you feel like I'm certainly on the right path and certainly doing the right thing. Dude, that's a really cool story, man. That's So, I mean, you, so you've been uh, – this all this concept kind of came together um, over time and, and – uh, you um, you decided to do it. Um, how, I mean, what has been? So you've been you've been working on this for for a while now. What what yeah. what have been some of the biggest um, challenges you've had from kind of when you got the concept going to you know to where you are today? Oh, there was a. I mean, there wasn't the first thing that that at least when I started, even the name, every single piece of this was was well, could have been perceived as a challenge but whenever you listen to your gut and you really feel the to me it's all you you're 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 defining your own reality and as you go forward every piece of this makes sense and it feels good to you and the only thing you really have to do is not listen to everyone tell you you're crazy i mean everyone told me just go get another job just you're crazy this is crazy why are you doing this and why, it why was do non-stop. people say that why do people say that i mean i've experienced that they're like why why is it you think people <laughs> that's um, a really good why question. do they say that? And then what do you do? Like, how do you ignore that? How do you, you know, because like that's okay every now and then, but when you hear that a lot, it gets, uh, it can be exhausting. So what inside it really you is right? keeps you? Yeah, I mean it is. Like you, because you know, like kind of world around you is seeing things differently, and you see something that's so clear to you, right. and you don't understand why. Well, maybe am I crazy, or did, or are they just not getting it? Like, is, is that? Well, see, I mean, I heard it feeling? so often. Yeah, I heard it so often that it was actually starting to convince me. There was a couple of times there where I would be sitting at home, you know. Um, and by the way, so as, as you know, I mean, you take these leaps of faith in, in your own ability. And and then, excuse that sound. I don't know what's happening over here, but it's very annoying. No, you're, you're good, man. Um, no worries. Um, yeah, it's, it really is. I wonder what it does motivate people to do that. I think because instinctively they don't – they're not following their heart and maybe um, – I mean that's what I'd have to guess. Maybe they're because of that they uh, they don't misery loves company I suppose. Um, but I'm sure you heard it when you were doing your thing as well. You know, I mean uh, this whole your process as well. For what I understand, it probably had a lot of pushback. There were people that were doing it 
um, though not as good as you guys, I would imagine that the same thing happened. Like, why are you doing that? It's already been done, blah, blah, blah. I can already imagine what, what was said to you. These are things that were said to me. Everyone said, oh, you're never going to make any money. Oh, you're going to have problems hiring. Oh, what a stupid name. Why would you ever name it that? Oh, I mean, I heard everything all the way down the road. And occasionally you'd have these glimmer of hope. Someone would come in and say, this is great. You're doing an amazing job. Um, and it was always the people that uh, that really had nothing to gain from saying that to you. And that's when then that kind of inspired me. At least it keeps me going along the path that I've I've decided to go down. Uh, but man, I, I would only guess that it's uh, it's a misery loves company type thing. Um, because do you think that um, do you think that like there's is there some way to I, I always feel like so there's always you you hear people out um, because you think okay well maybe they might have a piece of advice or something I have not thought of that could be useful, but yep. you also have to learn to go okay you know, 90% of what that person just said, I disagree with. I, you know, like, I, I have to put my blinders on, they're wrong. Like, like I know the name is going to be good for these reasons. They don't know, in other words, like, they don't know all that you know, so yeah. their their way of looking at it is just very skewed because they're looking at it from, from what they know, where you've got, like, so, for instance, you have all this experience with beer and all this experience with wine and then spirits, and then you have all these people that you surrounded yourself with. Well, they don't really fully understand that. But so maybe every now and then somebody says, hey, have you thought about this? And you go, hmm, you know, that's a good thing. It's something I need to explore. But most of the time you have to say, you kind of just go, yeah, yeah, I hear you. And then in your head you're just going, dude, you're wrong. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, sorry, but I, well, I know I got this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it, that happens constantly. I mean, and, and I think that everyone, I think it comes from a kind place. People really believe in, on some level that they're giving you advice that is valuable, even if it isn't. Um, uh, and it's so bottom line, everything swept away. There's two things. You're either going to live your life in fear or you're going to live your life in love. And if you're going to mm-hmm. live in fear, what if this, what if that, everything's, everything sucks, everything's going to fall apart. Or if you're going to follow a passion that you love and make it happen, that's really the, the bottom line with everything that we do, right? And the people that live their life in love always succeed, always. Um, even if it's not monetarily, they're going to succeed in, in much deeper ways. So there really is no option, in my opinion. Just follow that dream is all it is. I mean, and this thing this thing is, I mean, I have, there's so much happening as a result of what, what's happening with Dirty Water. I mean, we're, we're, we still have, we're, number two is happening, and it's another enormous project in the city. Um, and then um, I'm already just in discussions with a, uh, to open a distillery with a few people. So there's a lot of, ha- I mean, it's it's spiraling in a really, really cool way. Um, so it cl- it's clear to me that's the evidence that I'm on I'm on the right trajectory to me. Uh, and that's and I'm the only one that needs to have that evidence, right? So <laughs> it's, uh, that's right, my man. Dude, you, right. you nailed it. You nailed it, dude. Yeah. I mean, and it really is so funny you said that. I just I, literally just was talking to a buddy earlier about fear driving decisions. And when you peel back the layers like when you keep asking why why am i not doing this you know what is it really and it it ultimately comes down to fear you know like when you keep asking why and you get deeper and deeper so when you're able to overcome that man you can do anything and you're a perfect example of that so i love that man i love the uh i love that mindset my friend that's yeah that's what that's what it takes and folks if you're listening and you're you're thinking about starting a restaurant man christian nailed it uh and that's 
that's what you have. You know, you, you have to be smart. You have to make good decisions. But you also have to believe even when a lot of people, you know, don't. And, um, you know, better to even try and fail than just never even make an attempt. Because uh, even if you, right. you don't, you'll right. learn along the way. So, I mean, I've had plenty of failures, but I've learned a lot, and then you keep going. Well, so, dude, all right, man, so you guys are uh, – your um, – Describe, talk a little bit about, I read uh, a lot about what you're doing, but, but tell the folks who are listening kind of a, a summary of what um, Dirty Water is going to be all about. So uh, one of the little monikers that came up um, uh, when I was meeting with someone, two years ago when I was meeting with people, was all stuff that you love, all drink what you love and, and kind of live. And remember, I just mentioned the, the fear and love thing, which has been a consistent uh, uh, position with almost everyone involved. Um and so everyone said, drink love, drink love. And, and uh, to me, that doesn't mean, it, it does mean indeed, drink things that you love. And, and But it also means uh, embrace the things that people, other people love and, and, and support those brands. So nothing was ever, what we decided to do is have, okay, so bottom line, 52 beers uh, on tap, on draft from, from not only um, the best purveyors in the world, uh, but friends and people that we know that are really involved and really are interested in what they're producing. And uh, same thing with the wines. Uh, we, in, in the restaurant industry, there's so many people that try to give you money to support their brands and give you marketing dollars and all this. And uh, It wasn't about that to us. It was, um, are we going to go that route like so many people do, or are we going to go the route where, um, no, we're just going to serve what's absolutely delicious. And it doesn't even matter if it's trendy or uh, whatever, once again, this whole thing is about um, just supporting everything in a loving way. So that's what we did. And uh, so we ended up with 52 taps um, on draft that, I'm, that uh, over the years I've made a lot of relationships in the beer world. And so we're, we're getting a lot of great Belgian stuff, a lot of local stuff that's amazing. Um, I'll be serving Cantillon, uh, which is one of the rarest beers and most delicious sours on the planet. Um, I'll be serving... This is on draft, of course. Uh, uh, a lot of the Chimay stuff um, that usually was reserved to one type, we're getting all the types of Chimay's on draft. Um, those are just a couple of examples from Belgians. And, of course, a lot of the local breweries around here are supporting us well, as well. Then we have 100, glasses by, uh, 100 wines by the glass. Uh, we can do that because of the Corvin system that I was a test market for at a place I worked for before this. Um, so, and what that is, is it's a, uh, argon gas pressurized system. So you can serve any bottle without any oxidization occurring. Um, and you actually don't even remove the cork, which is a pretty cool system. So it allowed me to be able to serve wines that normally, um, you know, obscure Italian varietals, for example, that most people wouldn't try. But in this case, I can say, yeah, try one glass. You don't have to buy a bottle and, and, um, hopefully it'll encourage someone to try something they haven't had yet. And, and possibly uh, open their eyes in, in another another uh, style of wine that maybe they weren't used to. So we did that, and then uh, and then being here in the city in San Francisco is so beautiful that it, it really, I think at its core, every city's got its problems, but at its core it does support the artist and, and um, the the uniqueness of many of these brands. A lot of the whiskeys and, and, uh, and a lot of the spirits that are coming along and mezcals and tequilas and everything else, they all they all kind of filter through San Francisco. So it was very easy for me to get these relationships um, and do something special. So uh, when I called them up, and, and particularly a lot of people in Kentucky and, uh, and uh, 
and uh, a lot of the brandies from Southwest France. Um, they were they were the first saying, "Yeah, I'll send you the best I've got. I've got this. I've got this." And it was really nice to uh, to see how how excited they became when uh, when the project was was described to them. So it, it ended up um, spiraling into this place that's uh, um, you know almost eight thousand square feet in total, um, with nothing but the best that you can buy uh, and the best you can get. And, and that does not equate the most expensive, but what that does equate is really good beers, really good wines, really good whiskeys, and. Uh, and that's kind of how this came to be, and, and it, it built itself. Um, an old friend I had that I worked with many years ago, I'd say eight, nine years ago, um, he, was, he was a good chef, but uh, we never knew what he was going to do. He ended up um, working for Shea TJ and then uh, and working for his plumed horse and won two Michelin stars uh, throughout the way. He's coming to do the menu for us, and like I said, it's just, become this beautiful beautiful thing an expression of just nothing but um uh excitement for what for the project and excitement for the individual um area that that person's helping in so it's, it's going to be really cool and you your uh your food has kind of got a um i think i wrote down like uh primal cooking sort of wild game-ish uh um type plan is that right or is that what you guys yeah yeah to do? that's uh yeah that's what well the the uh, you'd have to see the the way it's built, but we built it around um, a very large fire pit. Um, so it's not just it's not just wild game and and all that. We are we're going to be doing axis deer and bison and uh, and uh, wild boar and, and cooking it over the fire pit. But that's also kind of a the way I I'm from Texas as you know, so that's kind of that's kind of the way I remember it. You know when we would go out and uh, and uh, with friends and and barbecue and stuff. So. Uh, I wanted to make that much bigger and much more prevalent in a city that that doesn't necessarily have that yet. Um, and uh, yeah, that's where the food came from. And that was Chef's deal, though. I can't take ownership of that. He decided to to go down that route, and I'm pretty excited about how it's turning out as well. Oh man, that sounds so awesome! What a cool place! <laughs> you'll love being there every day for sure, man. I mean, you're building something you'll just enjoy being being a part of every day. Um, yeah. Uh, now you uh you uh. Tell me about this. So I know that at one point you had a location that you, you but that changed because you're going to be opening in the Twitter building. So what? How did that happen? Well, uh, we had a um, we had a. I'm sorry, there's a truck backing up and it's really loud. We had a um, a spot right across the street uh, when this is actually a pretty funny story. But when we were first looking for a spot, I knew I needed to make it uh, large enough to at least to make an attempt to accommodate what I just described. Um, so we went across the street um, to a spot, and uh, there was some issues with the landlord, as happens so often. Um, and uh, and my gut kept telling me this isn't is not a good deal. This is not a good deal. Um, there was a lot of reservations with what uh, what she was offering. Um, it was a lot of lip service, and whenever I asked for a contract around it, it wouldn't happen. So uh, one day I called a friend, and I was expressing to her. Um, this is actually a really good example of what I was discussing earlier, but I called a friend and I was expressing to her my situation. She's like, well, I have a friend in commercial real estate. Uh, can she call you? And she called me about 10 minutes later and uh, 20 minutes later, Shornstein called me, which are the people that own this building that owns the Twitter building in much of San Francisco. And they, they had read about what I was doing and, um, and they wanted to talk. So uh, we had a month later, we were signed and ready to go. And they have been, 
absolutely incredible. I mean, the most professional team ever. They're, I couldn't be happier. They've been incredibly supportive. Um, the building itself wants to support small businesses and local businesses. And it was never, in, in this building, it was never really about using the, the Goliath-type uh, restaurants. It was always about getting something really cool and unique here. And that was always what was delivered to me, and so that was exciting to me. And that also told me that I was, once again, on, on the right path. And, and uh, fortunately, I hadn't signed across the street, and that's how we ended up here. That's awesome, man. What a, what a, what a great, uh, great opportunity uh, and great location for you guys. Now, you must um, – I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's uh, not cheap rent. So what, talk, talk a little bit about when, you're, you know, when, you're, when you have a great location like that. Um, are there things that – are good pieces of advice you pass along to folks in terms of making sure you get the right, you know, right kind of lease so you don't put yourself in – Well, here, what my thoughts are, I mean – is you always get involved in people that have a passion in what you're doing. Otherwise, and that includes, especially includes landlords. If yeah. a landlord isn't a foodie, if a landlord doesn't care about anything that you're doing, then then you're likely going to get that repercussion in everything that you do. Um, to be honest, it's not as expensive as you would imagine uh, for me because Shorenstein was really excited. I mean, and by the way, it didn't come just without any work. We had, you know, we had a number of presentations. They had to meet the chefs they had to they had to kind of visualize everything that we were doing but when it was all said and done they're behind it 100 percent. they've helped me out more than almost anybody um and there's been a lot of people that have helped but uh my, my i mean it's it's expensive of course and for the rest of the world you know san francisco is is um obscenely expensive on that uh, but given that shornstein didn't didn't uh didn't barrel me over. Um, they, there's many places around the city that are far more expensive and far smaller. So um, um, I, I'm pretty happy with it. Yeah. And uh, well, it sounds like uh, they, you need somebody that really has your. That you feel like, you know, as you said, like in your gut, you feel like has your best instincts at heart and really wants. It's not myopic, but is looking for a long-term successful partnership. That's right. And, yeah, they're not looking to. Yeah. Okay. So that makes that makes a lot of sense. Well, I mean, the city was the biggest. Uh, the city itself was the most challenging situation that I had. Um, that was that was unbelievable. Um, but just to tell you how how this all kind of strings together is when you when you have someone else buy in and the Shorenstein Group bought into what we were doing, um, and then um, then we're in it as it, you may not know this, but the Twitter building is considered a historic building, so. That adds a whole huge layer of convincing the city to do things. For example, our duct work, our signage, all that that has to be done on the outside of the building has to be approved by a board in the city, which sometimes takes years. And I didn't have years because uh, because once again, I'm not the Goliath, right? So uh, we're we're you know we're trying to string this along. But every time um, I would write to the mayor's office, um, and they would help me. Within a few days, they would help me, and it was really nice to see. And I don't know. Um, it was it was a ner- it was a little nerve wracking, but it all happened very very quickly, and and not it could have been way worse. Um, but uh, it wasn't the landlord that I had an issue with. It was more the process of the city. It could be easier, but other than that, that was probably the biggest hiccup I dealt with. That's interesting. I wouldn't. Have, I don't know. It's funny that the, the irony that the Twitter is in a historic building. <laughs> I wouldn't yeah, have guessed I that. Know. Well, it, it doesn't appear that way because everything that you look at when you're in that building and looking at that building is no older than 10 years old. So it's a bit confusing to me. 
Um, I, I think the I think the basic inside structure is old yeah. and it's it's uh, 1908. But as far as visually, I, it's it's a very confusing concept. But once again, uh, you know, uh, I it's it at least it's over for me. At least that part is over for me. <laughs> I'm still uh, dealing with one more signage issue, but once that's done. I won't ever have to deal with it again, at least not until the next project. <laughs> Golly, man. Well, what about um, what about pulling together financing? I mean, you, that's a that's a big project. Did you um, did you get a bunch of investors, or how did you how did you pull that off? Um, well, oh, hold on, so many alarms, uh, so many sounds. Hold on one second. I'm sorry, man. I'm yeah, no problem. So yeah, of course. Uh, I mean, I had to come up with a good plan and a solid plan. Uh, it took me. Um, you know, it's one of the most embarrassing and humbling things in the world is looking at your first attempt at a business plan. Uh, and I mean, I look at, I look at my business plan in the beginning and it's, it makes me wince <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, man, no wonder no one cared. And then, uh, but once what, did you, you know, what, right, what, what about it? Like, what, was it just too, it oh, didn't man. include enough or what? Well, I, I hadn't, I hadn't, uh. It's it's in you know opening businesses in San Antonio is, is such a different situation than opening businesses in San Francisco and you're dealing with friends and family in San Antonio where you're dealing here with you know financiers and and uh, tech people and and leaders of their industry et cetera et cetera so then you end up um, they have a team of lawyers that look over everything and many times those team of lawyers looked over my business plan and just said what the hell man. Finally, a friend of mine, uh, her name's Kathy Kennedy. She's amazing. Uh, she called me and she's like, you've got to redo this thing. And so uh, <laughs> I uh, dropped my ego completely and uh, started again. And then a week later, it just went out of control. Um, the list kept going and going and going. I was sold. I was 100% funded. And it was almost overnight. I was 100% funded within a week or two of redoing everything, which is really interesting. I have to think about that. And I've never really thought about it since it happened, but uh, it's as if it, it was almost as if I just needed to fill in a couple of puzzle pieces before it all started happening, and I was funded immediately. Um, so, uh, and there's just um, there's just a lot of money here, and there's a lot of people that are willing to support things like this, particularly passion-driven projects. And uh, it hasn't really been an issue since then, but uh, for a year there. When I was trying to pedal something that, you know what? Now, as I'm thinking about it, I used a program. Of, I can't even remember who made the program to build my first business plan. And then when I got away from using that program and I said, screw it, I'm just going to do it myself, that's when everything started happening. Very interesting. I'd have to think about that. Um, but that's exactly how that happened. Yeah, we, we ended up raising millions of dollars to get this project going. So how many investors did you, do you have, roughly? Well, we have six primary um, uh, investors and people that I, I would consider that are going to be with uh, with this this project and future projects throughout the whole run. And then we have a number of friends that just want to be involved. So um, I would say six primary and uh, somewhere around 15, I think 15 or 16 people that have, you know, a half a unit or a half a share. Uh, but they just wanted to be part of it. So I, would, I felt like that was a good way to reach out and, and uh, keep a close uh, relationship with some of the people that wanted to be, you know, invested at least in some way with uh, with the project. Did you um getting your six primary investors? Were they people? I mean, did you know them, or were they? How, how many times did you present your business plan? Um, well, um, so 
Well, yeah, we asked we, in the beginning. We asked everyone we knew, and that didn't work, as I as I mentioned. And then, um, and then we started uh, when we got into the Twitter building. Um, we were like, okay, we <laughs> we were, we hadn't. Uh, I guess it, it's not a problem now to mention it, but then we weren't funded, and we were like, holy crap, how is this going to happen? But uh, it was just a uh, maybe it was a little bit of naivety that that uh, that uh, that I had, but. I just felt that it was going to happen and whatever needed to happen was, was going to happen. And it was just people trickling down. Um, one of the, one of my partners that, that have helped me through this process every now and then he'd be like, Hey, this guy wants to came up to me. He wants to talk to me. And then some other friends would come and say, Hey, this guy wants to talk to you. And then all of a sudden it was those guys knew 10 other guys, knew 10 other guys. And um, now I, I, I mean, I could have sold three times the amount of units that we were selling at that point. Um, but you know, it's uh, I don't want to dilute the business still needs to become profitable and still needs to pay these folks back. So and we just kept with that money, but then the next project is going to be fairly easy. I think in comparison. Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, so when you got to that point, um, do, you, do you feel like it's important to be patient and make sure that not only do you have the investor who has the, the cash, but also who has the right, mindset and the right relationship with you man you, feel like- you couldn't have nailed it you couldn't have nailed it more um there were three three major investors that we had that had uh unlimited amounts of money that we actually ended up removing off of our investors we gave them their money back and said this isn't right because of that reason um uh, because of i mean whenever we'd sit down um whenever we talk as a group i mean the people that are helping me do the operations and, and then my business partner Matthew. Um, whenever we'd sit down, we were like, ah, yeah, that's a lot of money, but and there was always that but, and I hated it. Every piece of it made no sense to me. And uh, when uh, when this started, as I mentioned, escalating to a point where where we could replace it, and one of the things I would I would urge anyone listening is make sure you have an attorney that sets provisions in all your paperwork that allows you to. Uh, within a given period of time, allows you to get out of a contract. That's that saved us in this situation. Otherwise, I'd be I'd be uh, I, I I always felt like I was making a deal with the devil. I didn't want to do that. Um, so when you removed them, and that was it. And uh, you know those tough conversations were a little bit frustrating. But uh, I know in the long run, we have people that really really care about what we're doing at this point. Well, again, you uh, you listen to your gut. Going back to what we talked about earlier, there probably would have been people that said, "Christian, whoa, 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 don't, don't remove that guy or that group yeah. or whatever. That's crazy. Look at you know how much money that you know. Think about, but you went, right. no, I, no one would. I, I, you know, you have to just kind of go. Nobody else knows all that I know. I know all the pieces of the puzzle here. That's uh, right. And I need That's to make right. this decision, and you've you've just well, continued to go back to that, those instincts, and, and listen to what well, you know. So. I mean, throughout this, I mean, this is the first time I funded, you know, I mean, the projects in San Antonio and and a few others that I've been involved with. Every single time I made that exception uh, to myself when I knew that I was making and aligning myself with someone that wasn't necessarily a good fit. Every single time that's happened, it's bit me in the ass. So I'm like, yeah, I'm never doing that again, ever again. Learn that lesson, right, right, right. Right, right, right. You have to well, hear. but see, this is this is great, man. This is why I really enjoy doing this because I know there's a lot of people that are out there you know, that might listen to this and like, benefit from you learning. Le- you know, you've already learned some lessons. Like I always feel like it's good to go to people and go, okay, 
you've been, you know, you've had success. Like, what are the things that you, that, you know, you did wrong that you wouldn't do again? Because that's where you really learn. It's not, it's not always what you did right. I mean, there's a lot of ways to get something right, but once you, you go, okay, look, I will never do this again. That's really good advice. Like, I think anybody listening should very carefully consider. Don't, don't just take the money. You know, you, you're. That's right. There's one. There's another restaurant owner said you need to, you need to think about an investor like you would think about, you know. Um, you, you know, somebody you want to marry because you're going to be with That's them exactly for right. a really long time. And you're exactly right. You have to be. Yeah. It's exactly like being married. It's, it's like being married to multiple people, which is really weird if you think about it. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, but it's. I mean, if you guys aren't about the same thing, if your if your goals aren't the same, if if uh, if you don't love the same, I mean, we can make that that parallel. If, if you're not into the same music and you're not into the same food and you're not in the same entertainment then you're probably not going to last very long in a, in a good situation uh or given yeah. any situation so yeah same type of thing that's really that's that's good stuff yeah and so uh so here you are I'm a month away um this yeah and you so i mean what's what are what are some of the final pieces of the puzzle you got to put together oh well um the the, the um the hiring is almost done um training begins on the 20th and uh and then of course getting all the stock and uh and all <laughs> the the days of putting away bottles that we're going to be uh spending uh that's pretty much it i mean now is the moment where every day i come in and i'm like whoa look at that whoa that's amazing you know walls are being painted floors are being finished and and uh, all the panels and everything all the, all the beautiful stuff is going in now so it's it's really exciting to see i love it man it, it's a it's a it's a gift every time I walk into this building at this point. Awesome, man. Well, let me ask you this, just just kind of random, but um, I like uh, I like bourbon. What's what? I mean, what what are some of your maybe top two or three favorite bourbons? Well, everyone loves Pappy. Um, Pappy I yeah. have, uh, yeah. I mean, that's that's been the thing, and everyone's trying to get it. We've got a lot of Pappy coming, but I would say, and I'm, and this is a weird one. Okay, some of the family estate Willet stuff is incredible. Um, I would say as good as Pappy in many situations. Um, but the one that surprised me the most, and this is, I believe this is the sleeper in the bourbon world, is Michter's 10-year bourbon. And it's got to be the, ten, not the bourbon, not traditional bourbon, but there's a 10-year bourbon that Michter's has that is that is really, really delicious. And I, I'm surprised that people haven't taken that up. And I'm surprised that it's still 20 bucks to, for a four. Um, but, you know, as long <laughs> as, long as uh, well, I guess the more I say it, the less of a secret it becomes. But I think that's the sleeper in the in the bunch of bourbons. What is it? Spell it for me. Michter's. Uh, M i c h t e r s. Okay. Um, they're ten year bourbons, just outstanding. Gotcha. gotcha. I'd say Willett's uh, probably second to Willett Michter. That that bourbon Willett Willett's Family Reserve, and uh, those are really great bourbons. I mean, just sipping bourbons at tastes like heaven yeah <laughs> the ones that i don't want around me too often <laughs> i hear you man i hear you uh oh, good stuff man christian this is this is really um just really incredible incredible information and advice and thoughts and wisdom and um i mean you are a busy dude i'm gonna let you get back to it but i, I cannot thank you enough for doing this and i wish you guys all the very best and i, I cannot wait to at some point get out there, uh, I'm I'm I need to find a reason to get to San Francisco because I want to come hang hang out with y'all. Look, you you uh, make it down here. You have a place to stay. 
can uh, hang out with us, then I'll make sure and get a nice bottle of something for us to sip on for certain. So you just let me know when that happens. Okay, cool, man. Well, listen, I need to get uh, – I'm going to send you – I just got a new shipment of Schedule Fly trucker hats. So nice. I'm going to grab a, a <laughs> bunch of them and throw them in a box and send them out to you, and you guys hand them out cool, to everyone. I think I want to wear them around. Right on, man. That sounds great. I appreciate that. All right, Christian. Hey, thanks a lot, man. Appreciate it very, very much. Good luck. If I can help anything, anytime, you know where I'm at. I appreciate it. All right, my friend. I really do appreciate it. And hopefully uh, you mean what you say. Get down here and check it out. I'd love for you to see the spot. I will uh, I'm, I'm, I w- I will make it happen at some point. I'm, right I really on. want to. All right, my cool. friend. Cool. Take care. All right. Take care. All right. See you.